You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. From across the stars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and the Ragtag Crew are here to bring you stories of adventure and excitement from a galaxy far, far away. Get ready for tales of merciless bounty hunters, courageous heroes, and sinister villains from the core worlds to the outer rim and beyond. Hello there and welcome back to Faster, More Intense, a Star Wars podcast. Um, We are back. We took a little bit of a longer break than expected. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, special guest returning to the show, Danielle. Welcome back, Danielle. Hey, good to be back. Thank you. Uh, And uh, wow, man. Oh, boy. What an episode to to come back to. Uh, when I when I initially messaged you uh, a few days ago, it was kind of like, oh yeah, we'll just kind of have like, what what are we even going to talk about? You know, like it'll just be like a low key kind of you know Star Warsy chat. And then we were like, ah, right, let's talk about Jedi Fallen Order. That's that's good. There's it's kind of we're a little slow right now. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, and then lo and behold, since we started those conversations. Um, the sky started falling. So <laughs> Star Wars well, fandom has been a little crazy the last week. Yeah. But yeah. I, we'll start with the good news. Let's start. Let's start with the positive. Uh, we have a release date for the season two premiere of the Mandalorian. And that is October yes. 30th. Um, yes. So uh, perfect. Uh, uh, Halloween Eve uh, uh, viewing, uh, uh, which is awesome. Um, yep. And it works uh, for anyone stuck at home. Yeah. <laughs> Let's watch Mando instead. Yeah. I mean, oh man, what is Halloween even going to look like this year? That's a scary thought. Um, yeah. And not in the fun, spooky way, but in the actual people could die way. Um, yeah. But uh, hey, that's a that's another topic for another podcast. <laughs> Whatever you do, if you do go out on Halloween, please be sure to wear a mask. It is thematically appropriate. So be um, like Mando. Keep your helmet on. Yeah. I. But uh, there was also a, an Entertainment Weekly article, uh, or I guess like they announced that there's going to be a, a a feature story in an upcoming issue, um, and along with that was an article that kind of gave a few little details on like the production, but not of course no details on the actual story. So right, um, right. just sort of some thematic stuff a little bit, but uh, I don't know. We don't really need to get into all of the nitty gritty details of that. Everybody can definitely find rundowns and synopsis of that, or just read the article yourself. But there were some yeah. great new images. Um, and I, I, I Mando's looking good as always. It looks to me like, like baby Yoda got a little bit of an upgrade. Uh, like he's a little bit, He's, maybe he's a little bit older. Does he look? A, he looks a little. The face looks. A, the eyes. Yeah, the, just I'm seem sure, a little I'm sure bit they different. Tweaked, I'm sure they tweaked the robotics and the the tech, yeah. puppet textures. That's what jumped out at me. Is it? Obviously, it was a great puppet beforehand, but 
um, it seemed just a tad more realistic. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, the, 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 the puppet wasn't originally intended to be used for very much. And then they ended up using it for quite a bit more than right. they anticipated. So it's not surprising that going into season two, that they would want to uh, upgrade that and, and give, uh, give the child a little bit more of a range of emotion and expression. Um, mm. But uh, looking good. And then I, I, we got to see Cara Dune, Coming yep. back, although hey, I, some of us might have some mixed feelings about that right now. <laughs> we'll I, get into I steered it. clear of that. <laughs> uh, and uh, and grief Karga looking good with some new threads. Yes, yes. And a nice I uh, I uh, more salt than pepper beard, uh, looking real good <laughs> on Carl Weathers. He's looking handsome as heck. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah. I mean, everybody's looking great. Um, so. Uh, man, I'm so excited for Mando season two. It's gonna be mm-hmm. nice to have something positive to talk about in Star Wars, um, and not have to dig back all the way back to last fall yeah. <laughs> to, to yes. get into something that we enjoyed. Um, <laughs> not that there haven't been some cool things. I mean, obviously, Clone Wars happened, but um, yes, but yeah, so. it's it's just nice to have something on the horizon. Finally, something something in sight, uh, light at the end of the tunnel, if you were so uh, to mix metaphors entirely um because in the midst of all of that we had sort of three uh star wars personalities uh blowing up the social media landscape um Mm. and again let's keep it on the positive note i i i john boyega i had an awesome uh interview in in british gq um where he talked about a lot of stuff uh, but obviously yeah. people have centered on the stuff that he has said about Star Wars. Right. Um, yeah, go ahead. It, it, it was a fantastic read. Yeah. I, I mean, I actually hadn't planned on reading it, but I was like, well, you know, I'll give it a go. I, I do think he's a fantastic actor. And it, regardless of how you feel, it's a wonderful read just to get um, an inside look as to what it's like being an actor in Hollywood in general and what it's like to be an actor in Hollywood as a person of color. Yeah. Um, and I highly encourage everyone to go read the article, um, definitely with an open mind because seeing it from his perspective, yes, everyone was picking at it from a star Wars perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he is saying so much just in the context of his own personal accounts and the environment of being an actor in Hollywood in general. Um, and, and I really hope anyone reading the article takes away that information of that um, there is opportunity for Hollywood to improve and yeah. it needs to improve. And, um, you know, that, that was my takeaway from it. And, you know, he's using his platform to speak out on changes that are needed. And uh, I agree with him 100%. And, you know, I I don't know. <laughs> he, he shouldn't get the flack that he gets because he, he is sad enough as it is to say. He's sticking his neck out there to yeah. shine a light on these subjects. Yeah, it's 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 obviously a a, a touchy subject, yeah. but um, but in my opinion, it's also a very simple subject, yes. um, and it, it's it it's really it's really not that 
complicated when it comes down to it. When you really listen to what he's saying, um, he's saying what a lot of uh, uh, BIPOC uh, creatives say, which mm-hmm. is that I, I, white people telling stories for uh, for for people of color is problematic um and uh, and and star wars isn't immune to that and what happened in the sequel trilogy with his character with with kelly marie tran um even even with naomi aki uh who was obviously introduced uh yeah and i mean yeah like i the the interesting thing about oscar is that i feel like he often gets left out of it because oscar is uh uh he passes as white Right. Um, And so I think that there are probably it's he he dodges a lot of flack um, Mm -hmm. because there are probably a lot of Star Wars fans who are especially the the more uh, uh, ignorant folks amongst Star Wars fans. Not to say that Star Wars fans are comprised of ignorant people, but all walks of life. Right. Uh, The more ignorant people uh, probably don't even realize that you're watching a latino character in the character right. of poe dameron um and uh and so i think yeah he often i think it's left out of the conversation he kind of it kind of gets glossed over um but i i really it was like like yeah the the sequel focused so much on ray and kylo ren which i mean they are the central characters it's no different than than vader yeah. and and luke being the central characters of the original trilogy or anakin uh and, and uh, padme really being the central character although padme gets the short shrift in uh, in revenge of the sith but uh, yes you know <laughs> it it what it comes down to is um having more people of color uh, across the board involved with productions in particular above the line as producers uh, as directors as writers um, is right. is going to serve those characters stories better um, and and sort of uh, well, one of the things that, that really stands out with what he said is uh, in particular like pertaining to Star Wars was uh, and now it's it's been like a week since the article came out so I'm not a hundred percent on these won't be verbatim quotes, but basically he said like, like, Oh, Daisy, Adam, you knew what to do with them, but John and Kelly, you don't know what the bleep to do. Right. And like what, with those, with those actors, with those characters and, and the, the solution, like I say, this, it's simple. It's a, it's a, it's a complex issue. I think with a simple solution and the simple solution is just that we need uh, more, uh, BIPOC creatives in above the line positions, um, mm-hmm. telling stories and and crafting stories, uh, and and that is uh, it's not just Star Wars. That's Hollywood in general. But but yeah. I the the easiest the best thing for Lucasfilm I think to do Lucasfilm and Disney to do at this point. I think Bob Iger needs to call up John Boyega and say, Hey man, your production company, what do you guys want to do? Like yeah. what, what can we facilitate? Because I, uh, it can only be a good move. Um, uh, it's, it's, it, it's, it's the right thing to do. It's also great PR. It's, uh, John Boyega now has made quite the name for himself and whatever he does with this, um, 
spotlight that he's got right now is going right. to be is going to be a very big deal. So it's it's a it's a it's the right move. It's a good move. And it's a smart move. I think mm-hmm. Lucasfilm specifically also needs to approach him and say, "What stories would you want to tell in this within the franchise? Like, what kind of a project does right. your company want to produce?" Because yeah, he has I- his own company, and and it's to me, it's just like that's such a such an easy win for everybody because it means that that he gets to tell the type of story. What maybe it's a Finn story? Probably not. I bet you it wouldn't be if you if you went to John Boyega and said, "Hey, produce a Star Wars story." Right? I I, mm. I think he'd probably want to explore something else. Um, and and like let him pick his creative team, let him put together the writers, the directors, all of that stuff. Put him in essentially the position that John Favreau is in with the Mandalorian and let that happen right um right and uh, and I, I i think that that's the best thing that lucasfilm can do i don't know that they will but but from where i sit um to repair that rift and to 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 sort of um make up for the damages uh suffered right, right? Yeah. i uh, to those actors I, th- I think that that's the best thing to do i mean, I mean I, it I would, would definitely be a good opportunity because yeah. thinking back to 2019 celebration when they were interviewing john boyega he was so thrilled and you know made the statement that you know if if he was asked to play finn again he absolutely would in a heartbeat and then you know fast forward to nowadays and he's like i don't even want to touch this with a stick yeah so you know if they wanted to have that finn character back i think some part of him may would still be interested but it would take something like you know why don't you bring in your you know, your company and, you know, mm-hmm. you can have a creative sort of outlook over this character since you've helped forge him. Um, then, you know, that might be a way to bring him back. That might be a way yeah. to, as a company, save face <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I mean, like, you can't discount the political components of it, but, but sometimes, I kind of what I'm saying that what's what's right and what's best for your company. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would say more often than not, those things tend to match. Um, And and a lot of people want to act like that's not true. Like like, oh, well, Disney can't just go throwing around money or whatever. And, you know, maybe right now isn't the best time for them to start sinking a bunch of money into something. But (laughs) but. I, I I will say like like people are feeling the lack of um, in production upcoming projects uh, mm-hmm. on behalf of because it just feels like everything keeps getting canceled or pushed or whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean like I I think that it would be I think it would be really prudent for them, really wise for them, and and again like I said, the right thing to do for them to 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 push in that direction to or at least to give them the opportunity right yeah Um, yeah and who knows what what's happened behind the scenes but um yeah i don't know i because he produced a a pacific rim uh uprising i i think was the 
the yeah, but that's what it said in the article, which I didn't yeah. know. So that was pretty interesting to me. Um, yeah, he produced that and then started in it as well. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, like it's it, uprising isn't isn't as good as the original Pacific Rim. And I know that the really original is a little bit divisive with with critics and fans, but it's a little bit of a cult movie. But I, I, I mean, like. I I think that he does a great job in it. I think that it's, it's so tough. He's such a great leading man. And, and other than star Wars, I just don't know that there's been a project that has the, the right, uh, uh, visibility yet. Cause he's done some other really cool stuff, but it's been a little bit more on like the, the, not quite art house, but a little bit more of like that that indie vibe, um, mm. and uh, and and people might hear about that stuff, but I don't know how many people actually watch those movies. So yeah, I know I, he's had, I, I know he's done at least one thing for Netflix, and I think he's getting ready to do something else for them as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I don't know. I it's it's a it's it's an ongoing thing and i think it's something that lucasfilm can be doing a better job of i do think like lucasfilm does care they they do i i think that they um i think that kathleen kennedy and i think that the story group uh will hear what he has said and mm-hmm. um and take it to heart i uh, i mean like when you you look at Star Wars and and you only think of the movies it's hard to really to really see it but when you look at Star Wars as a whole in the last little while you look at Star Wars Rebels you look at uh Resistance those are both shows with and they're animated but they they do right. have diverse casts yes. i mean like th- there th- there aren't any um none of the lead characters in Star Wars Resistance are white there, the, you have to you have to go pretty well i guess uh we don't know because we've never seen pyre with his helmet off we like there's a there's a couple of the the officers <laughs> that that we don't see their faces so maybe some of the villains right. but but even on that side um oh man i i it's been so long since i've had to think about resistance um <laughs> the 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 intel the first order intelligence officer that comes in 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 season two uh, uh is is uh asian um mm-hmm. like like uh the the dozas are are latino uh mm-hmm. obviously jaeger is is black um um oh man what's her what's her name it's, uh, the names are uh, even when I was covering resistance, I had a hard time remembering the names a lot of the time. I, I want to say Tila and that's not right. Cause I was just reading a He-Man comic. I, 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 and I'm probably thinking of Torah. Uh, anyways, the, the names were confusing, uh, but then even right down to Kaz, I mean, he, that you had the lead of that show was an Asian American. So, um, I do think that Lucasfilm is pushing in that direction. I do think that they're being smart about it. I, but I do think that it's one thing to put characters on screen. It's another thing to put to put the right people in key creative roles behind the camera, and and that's what they need to work on a little bit more. Um, although, like again, Deborah Chow is doing season uh, did season one of Mandalorian, uh, two episodes mm-hmm. of that, and is doing Obi Wan. Uh, yep. right. I, I, uh, Rick Famu, Famuyiwa is one of the main direct, like they, they are doing these things, but obviously 
we could we could do more <laughs> as a as yeah. a society we could do more so um yeah it's a uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next little bit but tam tam that was your tam, name thank you tam <laughs> tam rivora thank you yeah. i i but you can see tam rivora and tora doza it's like it's so easy to just be like uh, what's uh, 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 what are these characters names um anyways I yeah so that happened and then I I uh, uh, sort of out of nowhere I I, I Gina Carano started <laughs> tweeting the other day just really weird because I I have felt that since the the pandemic sort of started that she's actually posted a lot of really positive uplifting like i can think of several instances where i liked her tweets going like yeah like you get it like you're on you're on the right side of history here like with the with the black lives matter stuff with Mm -hmm. with um the sort of safety stuff and then randomly this last week she's like talking about i i it's it's even so hard to boil it down she's defending churches and saying that they should be allowed to be open and also to um, be exempt from from the mask laws, like 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 mandatory mask uh, uh, orders and that sort of thing. And that people should have the choice as to whether or not they want to wear a mask. Um, and I. Uh, it was it's so weird it all just kind of came out of nowhere and it's and it's just the worst possible timing and i'm sure that that lucasfilm pr is just sitting there going like why are you doing this we need you to go on the interview circuit in a in a month and here you are stirring up uh the 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 anti-mask debate uh, uh and and honestly on the wrong side of it i mean like not to not to get too political on a Star Wars podcast. That's a joke because Star Wars is inherently political. But yes, um, yeah. I mean, like it's, it's about the safety of others, and it's not. This, this is really reckless things to do. Um, and I, I like it's not surprising to discover that a that a uh, MMA fighter is on the conservative side. That's <laughs> uh, that shouldn't surprise anyone. But I don't know. She just. I know that a lot of the people sort of in the in the in the circles that we run in on Twitter were uh, just kind of felt dealt like a bit of a blow by it because it was like oh oh you hate to see that you just hate to see it I, uh, yeah so I don't know it, there's not really much else to say about that other than that um, yeah I, I I mean I don't I don't follow her uh, and I don't know much of her outside of the fact that you know yeah. she was former MMA but. Um, it's it's one of those things where you see it pop up and it's just kind of like oh well that's disappointing but you know everyone is entitled to their opinion it yeah, just doesn't guarantee yeah. if it's right or wrong as yeah. long as it's not physically harming anyone but um it, it's just one of those cases where you have to like frustratingly sigh and been like well the character's still cool and then yeah. just Remind yourself to separate the two, because <laughs> yeah. some were, you know, calling to cancel the Mando. No, let's not cancel Mando. The, just yeah, that, one person wanted to be silly. Yeah, 
that stuff is always ridiculous to me. Um, I, I, I don't think that she said anything over the line. I think that she has said some irresponsible stuff in the last week. Yeah. Um, I, but, but here's the thing. Here's the reality of it is that the people that agree with her already agreed with that position. The people that don't agree with her, none of them are getting swayed. I don't yeah. think that, that, um, look, I, I love the character of Cara Dune, uh, and I actually quite enjoy, uh, Gina Carano and other stuff, but I, uh, like she was great in Deadpool. Um, but, uh, right. She's in Deadpool. She's yeah. The second one. Yeah. I hadn't seen it, but I, I think she is in it. Yeah. Yeah. She's one of them. I think, um, if you're going to Gina Carano, former MMA fighter turned um, uh, glorified stunt performer, uh, for your medical advice, for your scientific and medical <laughs> advice, I would caution you on that yeah. course of action. Um, <laughs> and and that's just I, her opinion means as much as uh as, as a cow's right it's a moo point is that the that's the phrase uh no that's a friend's reference i i it's yeah it's just it's a it's a weird thing to me that people put so much stock in celebrities um in this way when when there are actual uh public figures that are scientists and doctors that talk about this stuff on a regular basis that we should be listening to. But mm. for some reason we need, um, we need Mark Hamill to tell us, uh, which, which way to, to go on this. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and it's, you know, like, like that to me is, I, I would prefer it if, if, if some folks would take the more Harrison Ford approach and just keep their mouths shut. Um, <laughs> uh, Cause I don't, you know, like with Harrison Ford, I don't know one way or another, which way that guy is going to, going to go with a lot of this political <laughs> stuff. Right. Uh, but he uh, would tell you in his own right to not care or keep it to yourself. Though. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah. And like, there's some wisdom in that. Right. But, but I, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just would say, yeah, again, caution, don't go to, don't go to celebrities, don't go to, 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 to movie stars for your, uh, medical advice, you know, it's just, it's no different than like when Joe Rogan says that everybody should do DMT. I'm like, Hey buddy, you're a stand up comedian slash kind i guess a sports commentator sometimes slash the guy who tells people they got to eat a spider like <laughs> sorry if i'm gonna if i'm gonna actually research this separately from the words coming out of your mouth because your experience might not be everybody's experience right. um but uh yeah i mean like there are certainly voices out there there are celebrities out there who who do a very good job of using their platform to amplify the voices we should be listening to. Um, uh, Joel McHale actually has been an, an awesome resource during the pandemic, uh, who was the star of community and, and other things. Um, he, he's been awesome. 
and like, hey, here's an article. Here's a here's a he's he's done like interviews with, with uh, uh, some scientists and doctors and stuff like that on his Instagram to be like, mm-hmm. here's the actual information uh, to cut through the misinformation. Um, that's good stuff. That's the stuff that I appreciate. But uh, yeah, I mean, like the 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 actual opinions of of celebrities on whether or not we should be wearing masks. Uh, kind of silly that said my opinion uh, is that science says that we should wear a mask which isn't really an opinion that's a fact um <laughs> but i i yeah i don't know so i guess take that with a grain of salt because i've just told you not to listen to celebrities so definitely don't listen to podcasters because <laughs> you actually have to be talented to be a celebrity kind Shifty. of sometimes for the most part you have to be lucky. Yeah, be well, lucky. that's part of it too. Uh, yeah, you don't have to be talented to be a podcaster. You just have to know how to operate a computer these days. Um, <laughs> last but not least, um, before we get into our main topic, we've got uh, Daisy Ridley. This one's this one's fresh. This one's hot off the press. Yeah. Uh, last night on Jimmy Kimmel Live, Josh Gad was sitting in for Jimmy and uh, and interviewed Daisy and. I and he asked a very uh, specific question and got a very honest and specific answer that has kind of bless her. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't think that Daisy knew the rock that she was turning over um, when when she or the, the rather the hornet's nest uh, to go back to that analogy <laughs> that she was stirring up uh, with these words. Um, but uh, he asked essentially like did you know like was it palpatine from the beginning like what did you know about your parentage mm-hmm. from the start and daisy was ridiculously open about it um in in the best way which i like like love her for it uh, yeah daisy yeah. has not done anything wrong let's be clear about that i uh, and she talked about uh in the beginning so by that, I take to mean like in the prep and while shooting The Force Awakens, there was an idea that she was a Kenobi, which you yeah. can go back to the tape uh, in, in 2015. That's what I thought. That was my coming out of The Force Awakens. My first thing was there's no way she's not a Kenobi. Like that is <laughs> that is the story here. Um, and. Don't don't tell me how that's possible. Like don't 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 say ridiculous nonsense. <laughs> you just know. <laughs> um, it's just like yeah. It just there there's in particular when we found out about the in the Force Vision when we sort of got the breakdowns of the voices in yeah. there, yeah. and and the fact that a lot of the voices talking to her were Obi Wan, both mm-hmm. Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor. Um, I was like, yeah, that clinches it. Like she's, she's definitely, uh, descended from Obi-Wan Kenobi, or at least from his, from his family line. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And so like, I had theories of like, well, Obi-Wan and Satine, Satine never told him like she, cause I've always looked at Obi-Wan and Satine as the perfect foil for Anakin and Padme. Anakin yeah. and Padme do everything wrong. Every time they come up against, I, 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 a dilemma in regards to their romance they make the wrong choice every single time and it's because it's a tragedy they have to on right. the flip side of that when you look at Obi-Wan and Satine every time they come up against like these romantic dilemmas they make the 
quote unquote right choice. Now it's it's ultimately difficult and 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 painful for them to make the right choices, but they always make the right choices. So I, I if they were ever intimate, which I have a hard time believing they weren't, I right. <laughs> I and she were to become pregnant, she would absolutely keep that a secret from him. And that oh, yeah. kid would absolutely not be her, her child. Um, mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of theories out there about Corgi. Cause Love it. Love the it. guy looks like their kid, 100%. And yeah. I am fully behind that. I also at the time said, like, like there's, there's no reason for us to believe that everybody in a family line is is equally gifted with the force, right? Correct, yeah. Um, that everybody has potential, but but in the same way that my brother is a huge jock and I am a huge nerd, uh, <laughs> it's like we both have the potential to do either thing, but uh, we, we do make choices and, and certain things happen and certain things are inherent. So uh, I believed like the, Obi-Wan could have a brother or a sister that we don't know about that he doesn't know about because he was taken from his family at, at such a young age yep. and that it could skip a generation or two and that mm-hmm. that we could discover a, a connection back to Obi-Wan. And the reason why I always said this would be perfect is because then you would have, especially when they said that Palpatine was coming back, I was like, this that's perfect because you are setting up the the trinity of star wars again right like it's coming full circle from mm-hmm. the beginning and you have a kenobi you have a skywalker and you have palpatine and i i and i thought that that would be a really nice nice uh sync up to the 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 uh trinity god uh, mortis gods which there are three of the father, the son and the daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I thought like they, like this, this symbolism works within star Wars. Um, they went a different oh, way. Yeah. Uh, she, she then went on to say that I, uh, for a while she really was nobody, which I think is to say that like when Ryan came in and wrote that, that, that everybody was behind it. And then when she met with JJ to prep for nine, he was like Palpatine and she in her, it's, it's disheartening to see her response in, in the interview where she's like, awesome. And I'm like, well, is it? Uh, but, um, (laughs) but also remember that Daisy doesn't have the extensive familiarity with star Wars that nut jobs like us do. So, yeah. Yeah. She was pretty new to it when yeah, she got yeah. on, so yeah. So, so um, from that that fresher perspective, I think that it is it's it, like it's understandable that you'd be like, oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so she kind and she talked about like even during the filming of it, it was flipping back and forth. Now, not knowing from the beginning, I think is a problem because it's set up as such a major. It's JJ, right? So it's the mystery box <laughs> nonsense of it. Uh, he sets up the mystery box and it's like, you can't, don't set up the mystery box if you don't know what's inside. Yeah. It, there's a season of Arrow where at the beginning of the season, I think it's season four or five. No, I think five is the good one. I think it's four. It's four. It's season four. It's uh, it's uh, Damien Dark. I, I, they set up at the beginning of the season 
a shot from the end of the season, which is a gravestone. It's Oliver in front of a gravestone. We don't know who's dead. We don't know who who's who's in that grave. About halfway through the season, it came out. Neither did the writers. They put it in at the <laughs> beginning of the season. They'll figure it out along the way. Um, and by the end of the season, it ended up being Laurel Lance. Spoilers for season four of Arrow. You've had your chance. Uh, <laughs> It's at least four years ago, five years ago. Um, it felt contrived by the end of the season. It felt like we were getting into the towards the end of the season, and they had to shoot somebody in order for them to end up dead. And it's like the same sort of wound that in any other episode would result in somebody being in the hospital and like not a big deal, right? Like it's TV. Yeah. It's how it goes. Um, so it and and it didn't feel earned. It felt really hollow. It felt like they were manipulating the audience. In the same way, the the Ray uh, lineage, the parentage situation, feels the same. Where it's like you set it up, not knowing what it was. I think Ryan came in and did something meaningful with that. Um, yeah. Something more meaningful than. A repeat of Luke, I am your father. Uh, uh, not that that's the actual line. Don't worry, I know that. I, <laughs> I, but like, I, that is what I will always love The Last Jedi the most for is coming in and subverting expectations and, uh, and, and really putting us into, into brand new territory with Star uh-huh. Wars and moving us away from, man. <laughs> It's, it's so frustrating to talk about because the they were really set up to do exactly what they thought they were going to do, which is move away from the legacy characters, move away from the importance of the Skywalker legacy. It didn't require burning the whole thing to the ground. Uh, <laughs> it, it did yeah. require a spiritual passing of the torch onto the next generation. And that's what... what last Jedi did so well on both sides of it. I mean, like it was both, uh, uh, Luke passing by the end of it and, and Ray taking up the mantle of the last Jedi, as well as Snoke being destroyed and, and Kylo Ren becoming the Supreme leader, the, the new yes. Emperor Palpatine. Right. Yeah. It put them in such a, such a perfect position. And at the time I thought to continue star Wars forever. Right. Like for this story to not end at the next movie, but for us to finish out what we started in The Force Awakens, but then have a galaxy that we can continue to play in. Right. Yeah. Um, That's not what happened. That was Uh, a common sense thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. um, They decided that they needed to after The Last Jedi and Solo, they decided to uh, just cut it. Just, just, just slash and burn, um, yeah. to get away from the Skywalker of it all, and that's it's that's a that's a way to go. <laughs> I don't think it was the right way. Yeah. Uh, I I think that uh, with the that that study that was published recently that that um, that talked about the fact that it was like that people actually love the Last Jedi and that the majority of the voices on the internet in what was that 2018 uh that were yeah. dissenting were actually russian bots trying to 
to sow discord in online communities in order to allow uh, conservative uh, politics to take hold. Uh, yeah. Jack. <laughs> so, so that ended up altering public perception of Solo, which came out so soon after. Um, and, yeah, because that came out in May. Yeah. And that created uh, this mini snowball of people don't want stories with these classic characters that I feel like that's the, that's the message that, that Disney and Lucasfilm took from that specifically Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy. I think that that's what they heard. And, and the, the truth of the matter is that if you talk to star Wars fans, actual star Wars fans, the majority are like, no, please. Those are good stories. (laughs) Uh, The last Jedi is awesome. Solo is one of the best star Wars movies. Like, what are you doing? Um, but nonetheless, we are in the situation that we're in. So it, it, it went the way that it went. Uh, it's disconcerting to hear. Uh, like I said, it's not that big of a deal that they were trying to figure it out as they went. I think that it's a little bit of like a it's a bit of a stinker. Like, uh, JJ, please uh, do your homework. Don't answer the question with a question. Right. Like, like I. I uh, you don't just flip to the back of the book and and write in the math solutions. Um, you yeah. got to show your work. But... I, I think the biggest the biggest stink was is he literally went in and was like, "What do we do with this character? I want her to be like a Luke character." And people were like, "Okay, so is she going to be a Skywalker?" Well, no, but it'd be cool if she was somebody else. Well, who is she? I don't know. Maybe a Kenobi, or maybe just somebody new. Let's make her somebody new. But he doesn't care because he likes the mystery box thing. So he's mm-hmm. going to leave it vague for people to do whatever. And it's kind of like, well, I'm only doing this one film and it's not my problem. So here you go, Ryan, here's what I've made. Go do your own thing. And he's like, okay, well it, you know, it cool if she was somebody, but what would be meaningful is if she was no one, because the whole point of a new hope for Luke was he is everyone by being at the time a no one. Mm-hmm. And then of course Lucas changed it into, you know, being a Skywalker is awesome. But Ryan knew the original message and so because it had never been definitively set in stone and because JJ had made it vague for his own entertainment purposes, um, you know, he, he chose to make it a nobody and and you're right a lot of people took that message and was like you know this has so much more meaning um when i first went into force awakens i didn't really see her as anyone in particular but i could totally see her being a kenobi i was totally cool with that and then when it was she was nobody i was like oh well okay that's just as good if not better in the grand scheme of things and then so to come out and go, oh, well, no, she's a Palpatine. I'm like, well, hang on. Mm-hmm. Signs are telling me something different. And then we already had an answer. So why is it this third random thing way over here? Like nothing matches that. And so a lot of people um, and in the Raylo community especially were like, where does this come from it has no weight it has no meaning it's it's changed everything and so then to later you know because 
for the press tour of Dross, everybody was like, oh, yeah, we, you know, this didn't, you know, get pulled out from under our shoe. This was the plan the whole time. And then for Daisy to, in full honesty, not in promo mode, but in just as herself, answer the question, yeah, you know, like, she could have been a Kenobi, but then we decided to be nobody, and then randomly we're like, hey, let's change it to this. And mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, okay, well, the day I say my scenes, I guess I'll figure it out. But since she was being drugged along like everybody else, and and it's it's really frustrating to know that because, you know, the two films clues just got tossed out of the window the meaning that it had and that was set up gets tossed out of the window and it it, it is it was very empty um and a lot of what people have been saying online today and pointing out is you know there was so much heft behind ray nobody so everyone could identify with that message but at the same time there was so much story meaning to being a Kenobi, you know, a lot of people have been showing, uh, you know, the similarities that were set up and mentioning, yeah. um, you know, through the dream and, and how, you know, it was those three from the prequels, you know, Skywalker and Kenobi and the Palpatine and that the break between Anakin and Obi-Wan and then how Rey and Ben, Ben being the Skywalker, could have came back to finally face Palpatine when Palpatine was the one that had separated the two. Um, you know, that has so much weight to it in its own. Yeah. And so you had two great things going and then you're like, you know, bad guy offspring, which you now have to create your own side story because everybody hates that fact. So you have to throw in the, the clone weird loophole. And, and so then it's just kind of like this convoluted mess where you were painting a picture, you liked how it was going, and you were doing a good job, but then you changed your mind at the last minute and were so frustrated, you just took the can of paint and chucked it on it and said, look, it's art. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's understandable why people are so frustrated with it because they saw through the cracks that this was made last minute and that it what was being made got stepped on. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's what I've been saying about it is that like, look, people because because there's a bunch of people on Twitter today that are like, oh, here comes all the negative blah, blah, blah again. And it's like there's this there's this movement and it really frustrates me. The 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 Star Wars positivity, I I tweeters and podcasters where they're like. If you're not positive about Star Wars, then go away. Yeah. You just ha you just have to love everything about it. And it's like, it to me, here's the thing. I've talked about this for a long time. Star Wars is not a bunch of movies. It is, some people view it that way. Some people's experience of it is just a bunch of movies. They go to the movie theater, they watch the movie, and then they leave. They're like, oh, cool, there are laser swords and spaceships. I'm happy. Uh, but for a lot of us, this is a lifestyle. <laughs> And beyond that, it's a belief structure. Um, and so you have in the same way that with let's use Christianity as an example, because it's the one that a lot of people are going to understand. You have uh, you have dogmatic folks, which are the canon 
thumpers, right? Mm-hmm. Who it's like, that's not canon. That's not canon. That's not canon. Or this is what canon says. And then the movie says this. Which one's right, right? Like, you've got those people. Yeah. Who are all about the dogma and the tradition of it. Um, and and you've got the the uh the the sort of the the skeptics who who are just sort of around to to poke holes and everything and and sort of um i i that definitely consider themselves part of the community but are also just kind of griping and and that sort of thing or or some people in in very good nature uh, uh poking holes and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um but you've also got like like with religion you have the people that believe the church can do no wrong um and they there's a reason for that a very logical reason for that which is when you believe that a deity is in charge of the daily operations of your organization um you'd be silly to think that something could could be uh erroneous but uh i i it's it we don't need to get into a whole thing about religion but uh, that's one of the biggest flaws of organized religion. Star Wars has started to go down this path where we have a bunch of people in the community who just want to have fun talking about Star Wars. They don't understand that for some of us, there is fun in deconstructing. There is mm-hmm. fun in this reflection and this sort of I, 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 a discourse of what did this do right? What did this do wrong? Where does the mythology fall short? Where, where does it do a great job? Um, and that that accountability is actually an important part of growth for the franchise. Um, Absolutely. They just want it. They, they don't care if it's Ewoks or if it, and when I say Ewoks, I mean like the cartoon or if it's, <laughs> Uh, Clone Wars season seven. It quality is not a. Uh, it's not a metric that they that they judge Star Wars on. Star Wars is Star Wars, and as long as it has that label on it, it's great. If you want to publish a novel about zombie stormtroopers, as long as they're called stormtroopers and it's the Empire and the Force and the right kind of star destroyer with the right length and blah 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 then they're happy (laughs) i am not one of those people in case you can't tell i i i don't care for the minutiae i don't care for for the sort of just like uh painting star wars with a broad brush and 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 saying that any star wars is good star wars i do say like hey it's you know it is like pizza there's no such thing as bad pizza but i mean like sometimes if somebody delivered a pizza to you that was that had mold on it that was rancid you would be like hey this this pizza i'm not going to eat this pizza um likewise i am not much into vegetables i'm i'm much more of a carnivore so if you show up with a pizza with mushrooms and green peppers on it i'm gonna be like you know what guys i'm good that one's not for me i'm not saying that that pizza is bad i'm just saying that it would make me gag (laughs) so i'm not gonna eat it and and that's fine that's okay and understanding which parts of star wars we love and which parts we don't and respecting everybody for their opinions i think is a super important part of how we need to grow as a community and as a fandom Mm -hmm. um for example have you you still haven't watched rise of skywalker right nope i haven't okay and that it kills me that you haven't watched it yet my 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 biggest dive into it was reading um, the Shakespearean 
yes. retelling. That was that was my only true taste. Um, <laughs> but I also respect that for you, it's like you know that you're not going to enjoy the experience. Right? So why why experience it just to say that you've seen it and it's like well you know the broad strokes you know the things that people are talking about we can mm-hmm. have a conversation around rise of skywalker without you having seen the movie right. um but but there are some people that would choose to uh take you to task for like well how can you have an opinion on a movie if you haven't even seen it and it's like well you know what sometimes sometimes you just know you're not going to like a thing right uh, and and giving people the space to experience it in the way that they want. Like, I, there's a bunch of stuff in Star Wars that I don't go anywhere near. Uh, I don't play Battlefront. I played the story, and then I think I played maybe a grand total of 15 minutes of the multiplayer and was like, this is <laughs> not for me. Um, and I'm happy that other people enjoy it, but, but it's not for me. Um, and there are certain novels that I know I'm not. I'm not going to read Queen's Peril. I'm not going to read Queen's Shadow. I it, And... I know that some people would be like, what? Those are great. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure that they are. If you're really into Padme's story, I'm not that interested in, in that aspect of Padme's story. It's just, it, it just doesn't do it for me. And that's right. That's okay. Right. Like yeah. uh, certain I, things are going to be for certain I, people. I adore Ahsoka very much. Mm-hmm. And, and, but the novel itself, man, I had to like beat myself just to finish reading. It's, that it's a rough one, isn't it? It's yeah. a rough one. Yeah, I, is, had the, I had the same feeling. Which is weird. You know, I look at it and I'm like, I don't understand, but I don't know. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> I mean, like Star Wars novels in general, I have a really hard time with. There there have been very few in my uh, t- 25 years as a Star Wars fan. I, I, I didn't become a Star Wars fan until I was 10, if anybody needs to do the math on that. I'm not 25 years old. Um <laughs> I, th- there have been very few that I can say like th- that without a doubt I love, and and this is one of the funny things. I the the um, the Darkness trilogy, the mm-hmm. the the one about the evil space ants, <laughs> um, that happened right. It was the story, the trilogy right after the New Jedi Order ended. Right, it was the first thing. It bridged between that and I think Fate of the Jedi was the next thing. Is this um, a Legends thing? It's a Legends thing, yeah. This is this oh, is way okay. back in the day. I, I love that trilogy, and it is widely regarded as trash. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> think it's garbage. I don't care. I really liked it uh, at the time, and there's some really cool things. There's a, there's a concept in it called Force Walking, where mm-hmm. Jason Solo basically leaves a pre-recorded Force message for Leia, but using his ability to to sense the future because he's he's particularly adept at that he uh he can it can be two way right he can he knows what leia is going to say when she gets there so he leaves a message that interacts that 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 talks back so he's basically is this like a bill and ted thing a little bit and it's kind of time travel it's kind of like it's and i love it it's it's a really cool use of of i uh, like sort of he's leaving an impression in the force like he's intentionally leaving his essence in the force oh, in okay. order for her to come upon it later knowing that she's going to be there 
because he can see that like he can sense a possible future. So in the in the event that she shows up, I'm going to leave this message for her and she's going to say this and I'm going to say that this back and give give them the information that they need in order for the story to continue. And like I thought like that's genius. I love it. And there's other stuff in it. There there's a lot of stuff about like the balance of light and dark and um and and there's stuff about like Luke using force lightning um and tapping into the dark side in order to to do a good thing. Um, and it's the, it's, it's, that is the beginning of where the gray Jedi stuff comes from. I mean, it technically, Mm. it starts before that in the new Jedi order with Vergeer, but, but Jason sort of, um, is the champion of, of that, uh, walking the line between the light and the dark and, uh, and they get into that a little bit, but ultimately the message in that is because like Luke taps into the dark side to do something that basically save them from dying ships about to blow up or something. I can't remember, but, and he like uses the force to essentially hold it together, but he taps into the dark side to do it. And when he comes out the other side, he's aged severely. Like, like what yeah. happens to Palpatine in revenge of the Sith has started happening to him. And I, uh, I, uh, it's, it's just such a great thing of like, like there, but this is the thing, like, yes, it's great power. It's an incredible source of power, but there's a cost. Right. right. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's a corrupting influence and they use like a very, uh, outward example to talk about the fact that like on the inside, it's also eroding. And then Jason ends up falling to the dark side and becoming Darth something or other in the later books that are even worse, but, <laughs> um, that I haven't read, but anyways, that was a weird tangent to go on. Um, my point being that like, I love that stuff and I know a lot, a lot of people don't like it. Um, I, and, and that's fine. That's, that's perfectly fine. Solo is my favorite star Wars movie. I know that a lot of people are going to be like, what, what? (laughs) And it's like, I'll tell you exactly why, because it gives me all the stuff about star Wars. I love, and it doesn't Mm -hmm. give me a whole bunch of the stuff that I kind of get annoyed by. Um, that's fair. And beyond that, it takes a couple of my other favorite Star Wars movies: Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and uh, and and the la- and and sorry, The Force Awakens, and it actually enhances those movies immensely, immensely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the experience of watching Empire Strikes Back after watching Solo was it, it like the, all of the interactions between Han and Lando have so much more. Uh, color yeah. to them they're so much deeper and richer knowing the actual story not having like the intimation of it or the the implicate like the inference of it but like now we actually, actually know. knowing it yeah um it's it's just there's so much more depth and texture to it and i love it um and and then the romance with han and leia is so much more meaningful and then i'll be honest like han turning away from his family in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens is something that bothered me until Solo came out. And then you see how he grew up and what he went through at a young age before he met Leia. And you kind of understand, like you can kind of get it. Like he's returning to familiar stuff and it made that feel more relatable and more real. So, you know, uh, like we all have different reasons for loving different aspects of Star Wars and, the last thing I'll say on it, and then we'll we'll uh, uh, get into our main topic, uh, unless you have more to say. But uh, I, I I was just gonna say that it 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 is difficult to be told, you know, it's just a movie. Get on with your life. When yeah, it, Star Wars is such a big cultural 
influence and because you know it it has meaning for so many people and you're right you know everybody takes something a little different from it and it is it it has become something that people have a hard time moving past or you know just casually letting go because it does mean so much it wouldn't be as big as it is if everyone was like well that was a great popcorn flick and just you yeah. know walked off yeah so. yeah i hey i watched the meg last week which is the jason That's statham the shark movie one, right? yeah. yeah where he fights a he fights a really big shark and he'd be megalodon technically called a megalodon but it's yeah. just a really big shark um i i actually loved it it was great <laughs> uh it's very dumb uh and i was definitely like like ragging on it the whole time but i uh but i did enjoy it it was a great popcorn movie it's not going to change the way that i live my life <laughs> right. right star wars has that effect on people um and right. and it's it's meaningful and i yeah just to close it out what i'm going i'm going to say this for a lot of people that are listening that 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 maybe haven't thought about it this way um, and this is an opinion, so take it for what it's worth. There are fans out there that only like The Last Jedi. That's yeah. it. They've maybe not even watched the rest of the movies, but they watched The Last Jedi, and they really love The Last Jedi. Uh, and like they love the movie that Ryan Johnson made because it's so different from everybody else's from from the rest of Star Wars. It they're they don't love it for that reason. They love it. They they are connected to that movie and maybe not the rest of Star Wars because it is so different because because it it has that capacity. So it actually reaches a different audience in some respects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't necessarily see themselves in the rest of Star Wars. They are just as valid as fans of Star Wars as someone who loves everything full stop, no exceptions. Yes. Both people are Star Wars fans. They are different types of Star Wars fans. They like it for different reasons. They enjoy different things about it, but they're both Star Wars fans. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you have a problem with that, you need to stop, look inside yourself, reflect, and ask why does that bother me? Not what bothers me, because you know what bothers you. you the, the fact that they don't like the rest of Star Wars the way that you do bothers you. Who cares? Why does that bug you? What about that ruffles your feathers? Why does somebody else need to love Star Wars the same way that you do? They don't. At the end of the day, it's a personal experience. It's for you. It's when we get into the the hero's journey stuff, the 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 Campbellian myth aspects of it, the whole point is that we are supposed to these stories aren't supposed to be answers. They're supposed to help us answer our own questions, right? Yes. They're supposed yeah. to guide us in the same way that Obi-Wan and Yoda guide Luke to find the answers that he needs to find, the way that Luke and Leia guide Rey to find the answers that she needs to find, right? And those journeys are individual. And so people are going to come to different conclusions, and and everybody needs to give everybody else space to do that. Um, and where we, where we overlap and where we link up, that's where the community exists. 
but there's also a really huge value in in listening to other people's stories and perspectives that are different from your own and understanding that the galaxy is a lot bigger than what you think of it so uh yeah i mean like that's uh, that i think wraps up the whole thing for me yeah yeah i i mean it you can find value and lessons in any of them and some are going to speak to you more than others mm-hmm. um and just because someone's like you said experience wasn't the same as yours doesn't make it wrong or any better or any worse and really it's it's enriching to you and to others to hear what they have to say you know if if you explain you know what it was you liked and what it was you experienced from it and you know the person next to you didn't get that instead of calling them out or ridiculing them for it, you know, take a chance to just listen and yeah. and then hear that aspect and then think upon it yourself. Because e- even if you didn't pick up on it, that's not, you know, that's still a lesson that you can learn from and value. So, you know, you don't need to bash somebody else for not liking it the way you do. You may get more value listening to them express their own like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and with that, Let's talk about something that we both really like. <laughs> Let's yes. talk about Fallen Order. Yes. Uh, so I've been playing Jedi Fallen Order for my third playthrough uh, this week. I, I I just got a brand new TV, um, uh, a brand new 65-inch 4K TV. Now, I'm, I'm playing it on a regular PlayStation 4. I don't have the Pro, so I'm not technically playing in 4K, but I am playing in HDR for the first time which is a big difference. Mm. Um, and I did upgrade from a 55 to a 65 inch. So I wanted to break nice. it in with a game that I knew I was going to love. And uh, and so I re-downloaded uh, uh, Fallen Order and started another playthrough. And uh, I love it. It's such a good game. It's so it good on it so many levels. so good. Um, it was the best Star Wars story of 2019. <laughs> A thousand percent. Um, yeah, I mean, like, w- without question, uh, it was the best thing to come out in Star Wars last year. Um, and it was such a surprise because really in the lead up to it, I was kind of like, this can't be good. Because if you know the production history of it, it was like uh, EA was working with Amy Hennig, who had who, who had left Naughty Dog specifically. I mean, like, there there's a lot of stuff. We don't need to get into that. But Amy Hennig, who who was one of the uh, chief creatives on the Uncharted series, which is one of my favorite video game series of all time. Uh, I love Uncharted. And so she was leaving to go work on Star Wars. And it's like what she had said at the time basically was like, if you're going to leave Uncharted, which is one of the best video game franchises going, uh, you there's only one reason to do it, and that's to go work on a Star Wars game. So the the <laughs> the, the rumors, I guess, uh, which were basically all but confirmed, was that she was creating the Star Wars equivalent of an Uncharted game, which checked all my boxes, and uh, so I was really excited about that. And then something happened, and then they canceled the game, and then and then she was fired or something like that, and it was done, uh, and it wasn't coming out, and it was like, well. I thought that they were like, it was supposed to come out in like a year or something like that. And then you started hearing about Respawn 
is working on a Star Wars game. And I was like, Respawn, the guys who did Titanfall? That's kind of weird. Like, is it another multiplayer game? We have Battlefront and Battlefront 2. Why would they do another multiplayer game? And then it comes out like, no, it's actually a single player game. And then I played Titanfall 2, which the first Titanfall didn't have a single player story mode. Titanfall 2 does. It's one of the best video game stories I've ever played. And I can't tell you why. I don't understand why. It's so good, though. It's so good. Um, I love that game. And I don't like first-person shooters, but, I mean, like, you put me in a mech and let me run on walls, and I'm kind of happy. Uh, so it turns out, like, oh, well, this, this is who's working on it. Uh, and then it turned out, like, Mitch Dyer is one of the writers, and I was like, okay, well, he's he's done some good Star Wars stuff. Um some 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 he's had some contributions to the franchise and he used to write for IGN as a reviewer and I know that like he's a real like bona fide Star Wars fan so now you have my interest uh and then stuff started coming out and I was like 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 trailers and stuff and I was like this is not I'm it's not getting me and it was like this kid that is the Jedi guy and it's like it's the Joker from Gotham and Gotham is (laughs) awful and that Joker is awful, and it's just like, this is such a bad taste in my mouth. And then we got really close to the release, and it was like, people were playing it. And they were like, this is a great game. And then Greg Miller, who uh, is the uh, PlayStation personality uh, within the, the PlayStation fandom, um, video game personality, podcaster, YouTuber, whatever, used to work for IGN, somebody that I have followed for his entire career. Um, and, and we have very similar opinions, except he doesn't like Star Wars because he doesn't like sci-fi because space is stupid. Oh. Is, is sort of was sort of like his previous stance on it. He had been playing Jedi Fallen Order, and then the embargo lifted, and he was like, this is one of my favorite video games ever sort of thing. And nice. like he, he was talking about it like, this is so good. I finally get why people love Star Wars. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> this game turned a non-Star Wars fan, like a specifically non-Star Wars fan, into a massive Star Wars fan. So like now, like after that game came out and he played, like he went out and he bought like a Jedi, like a Sith costume and like oh, wow. his own lightsaber and all, like he went like, f- like full hog. Like he just, dove into the star wars fandom and then rise of skywalker came out and i think it kind of i think it kind of burnt him right away so it was kind of like he was in and then immediately out but uh he doesn't really talk about it that much anymore but um i but his reaction to it got me to the point where i was like there's no way that i'm letting this pass me by and (laughs) i and i'll tell you from moment one of that game i i you start the game and it's like the Star Wars music as the the yes, camera comes the down. The soundtrack is so good. And then the probe droid, and that you're kind of hovering along with it, and then all of a sudden this this weird, uh, sort of like uh, uh, alien metal song starts playing, and you're like, <laughs> what the heck? And you're like, okay, so this is like, like. Oh, this is a weird tone to start the game with, and then you like it. It the camera finally falls on, on on Cal, and he pulls his headphones off, and you realize it's diegetic music. It's 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 his headphones. He's listening to in you know in galaxy in universe Star Wars music, and I was like, 
rad. They get it. <laughs> this is Star Wars. Um, and and from that moment, like like literally from the moment that he popped his headphones off, I was like 100% sold. Um, and then it took a little while to get into the gameplay because it is a tough game. But once mm-hmm. you figure it out, once you once you get a handle on the controls and the, the systems and parrying and blocking, which is the hardest part of it. Um, the puzzles, man. The puzzle could get me. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. The puzzles. <laughs> it's such a good game. I, I'm in those tombs. Like, why am I so stupid? <laughs> it combines it combines Zelda. It combines uh, Metroid. It combines, uh, I'm told it combines, uh, like, the Dark Souls uh, genre uh, of games, which I've never played any of those before, but it's, like, there are elements of that with the the uh, sort of brutality of it. Mm, I'm a Tomb Raider player, so that's what <clears throat> I latched on to, was gotcha. it reminded me a lot of um, the rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like, like from a, from a sort of exploration and story point, I think it, it, it definitely does that. And it, it, like Rise has, has a lot of that, that sort of Metroid, Metroidvania, uh, get a new ability, go back to an area and explore it some more. Um, but yeah, I mean like it, it, it just, it, it, like I thought that Amy Hennig Star Wars game was going to Fallen Order checked every box for me. It like the story was fantastic. The performances oh, yeah. were great. Um, the graphics are, are awesome. The, like the visuals, the uh, mm-hmm. customizing your lightsaber, um, uh, and then yeah, like the exploration elements of it. The force powers feel um, uh, real and useful, um, yeah. not like just uh, Dragon Ball Z uh, bubbles uh, like they do in the Force Unleashed. Which I also love the Force Unleashed games. I love those games. But the force feels like a video game in that, whereas mm-hmm. in in Fallen Order it's still kind of gamey. But the fact that it's on a meter and um, it only it, it can only do certain things, um, it 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 works for me. It it sort of you feel like a Jedi. It's just more than yeah. any other game. It, you really feel like a Jedi, and the 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 only criticism that i would have is that the the lightsaber dueling could be a little bit tighter uh, but that's only a perspective that i have now that i've played ghost of tsushima which is a samurai <laughs> game and the sword play in that is so perfect it looks that i'm good. just like if we could just get this sword play in the fallen order sequel that would be the best possible thing but uh yeah um yeah i love it I, and and we'll, we'll get into like the actual story of it in a second but but how about you i i, I mean i i wasn't too familiar with respawn though i knew of titanfall and that it had been well received um i didn't know too much about it other than that they were making it and that it was going to be single player and that's what really drew me in um you know, I, I play multiplayer on occasion, but single player is, is what I'm here for. And um, I had really enjoyed the single player storyline of uh, Battlefront 2. And yeah. so I was like, oh, cool, they're going to have a single player Star Wars game. You know, I wonder if it's going to be just as good as this. And um, the fact that it was going to be more action adventure was definitely interesting. So I kept an eye on it. Um you know, watched um, Alex with Star Wars explained, you know, 
give his two cents on mm. it and uh, really liked what I saw. And then when they showed a bit of it at Celebration, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I really want this game. And playing it was just awesome. I loved how immersive it was. You know, like Battlefront 2 is in the universe. Yeah, sure, okay. But um, like this, you were in it. You yeah. know, you can you can walk around in Kashyyyk and I mean, I mean, yes, you know, you have to stay on your little path or whatever, but there's a sense of being immersed into that place. The fact that you could travel to more than one planet and, and of your own choosing, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I ended up going to Dathomir right off the bat, um, which is typically something you wouldn't go to until later in the actual game. So, you know, to have that interaction and, and get a little dig at... Um, you know, the the Night Sisters history and, you know, what it really is like with the Wookiee. You know, if you listen to the Aftermath uh, or read the Aftermath novels, you know, they talk about the spiders and then yeah. lo and behold, you know, you're running into one. Um, so that's what I really liked. And also just the story in itself was, was beautifully written and uh, the actors pulled it off really well. Um, the animation, you know, provided their performance really well um and and it definitely had a star wars message which is what i yeah. think helped sell it so well um is that it was something you could definitely connect to and relate to and and you felt for these characters you know yeah. you you totally got why um you know trilla went along into becoming an inquisitor you got why at the very near end you know, she suddenly felt slight remorse before Vader offed her, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, you get why Seer is so afraid. You get why, you know, Cal is afraid to process his grief. You get all of these things. Yeah. Um, and then the fact of, you know, the lesson of, you know, its own forms of redemption and being able to pick yourself up and and learn from those mistakes and move forward. That's such a wonderful Star Wars message that people really like and latch on to. And so you get all these great in-universe things about the game, and then I, it, it was it was great. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I mean, I think the 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 best thing about the story is the fact that there are almost no classic characters uh there are almost yeah. no known characters we get um a brief moment of obi-wan in the holocron giving the message mm -hmm. that he gives at the beginning of star wars rebels mm -hmm. um which is the coded message that he puts that that they send out to tell people not to come back to the jedi temple right. um and then at the very very end of the game vader pops up i right. i and it's a, such a great surprise which i i hope that we're not spoiling it for anybody but it's been a while <laughs> since the game came out it was spoiled by the their nice, own marketing but and that's the nice thing too is you know deep infested star wars fans are gonna want it's not that we hate easter eggs we like it but you know there's a point to oh fun it's an easter egg to haha look at all these nostalgic things i've just pointed out to you can you see it as you're hitting us over the head there, there is a line, there is a difference. 
And the nice thing about this game is that it does have those little Easter eggs in it to where you can go, aha, I know that reference. Yeah. But it blends so seamlessly. It's not, hey, here's here's an Easter egg. It's, oh, this is just another part of this story. Like, it just beautifully blends in to where if you don't know it, it doesn't matter. But if you do, it just enriches it all that much more. Mm-hmm. Which is what Easter egg should do. Yeah, I, I I think it's actually one of the reasons why why uh, for someone like Greg Miller who's not super familiar with Star Wars, he was able to really get into it because mm-hmm. it didn't require this deep working knowledge of Star Wars in order to enjoy, like going into The Force Awakens, where it's, here's a bunch of new characters. Uh, you can just you just get into it, but it doesn't have sort of the thing that that I think holds the sequel trilogy back which is the legacy characters right yes. it's just like like the there's context and stuff like that but like everyone Cal Jaro Tapal Seer uh Trilla Grease they're all new characters the Haxian brood is a new thing it's not an existing thing mm-hmm. um it's it's all new information um and and obviously like we're we're pulling on some actually that's not entirely true the is it the seventh sister or the ninth sister i can't remember it's the ninth sister because seventh sister is the one that's in rebels ninth sister is from from comic books um Mm -hmm. yeah but I hadn't read I haven't read those comics yet, so i I wasn't familiar with the character. I just knew that she had come from the comics um but yeah, like it, it just it 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 all felt, and I guess Tarful shows up for a half a second, but um and um, and what's his face? I, 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 I. Oh my God! Why can't he? I literally played the sequence earlier today. I, from Rogue One. Uh, oh, um, Sagarera. Sagarera. Thank you. I don't know why I'm terrible with names tonight. <laughs> I. Yeah, like he he shows up for a little bit, but but yeah, that they're, was a nice surprise. I like they're that. incidental, right? They they they're not yeah they're not really a part of the story. Um, but and it's early days of the rebellion. It's not really the rebellion yet. There's just sort of these small cells. Um, but yeah, building on the on the lore of the Inquisitors, bringing in the uh, the the purge troopers and stuff. Like it just there there's just. There's a lot. There's a lot in Fallen Order that builds on, but that isn't necessary. You don't need to necessarily know all of the details of the Clone Wars or of uh, the prequels or the, right. the or Vader or anything really. Like it's like the story is so self-contained with um with the the. Uh, uh, you know, Cordova looking for this, mm. like the Zepho is a new thing as well. So we're exploring this, this, right. this uh, ancient civilization. Like it's all just so separate. Um, they One thing I thought was really effective at this yeah. was um, the scene when Cal goes into Dathomir and he's, he's in the temple and he's remembering that moment before his master is killed. And, yeah. If you know nothing about Star Wars, you go in and you see the clone troopers and you don't know any backstory context, but they've set it up to where, you know, it's these guys joking around with this little kid. They're having fun. High fives. High fives. 
and you immediately get, okay, you know, they're all good buddies. And then it immediately changes. Now, whether yeah. you know what Order 66 is or not, they give you the context, something terrible has happened. We now have to, you know, run for our lives. And then obviously they show you the change. And to someone outside of regular Star Wars, they're kind of like, oh, you know, this is a big deal. And you yeah. now understand why he is so paranoid and why he feels so bad. But because you know Star Wars, you've watched Clone Wars, you feel that just as much, if yeah. not more deeply. Yeah. And that that's what's great. Like that's that's what you need to do, both in terms of in in feeding regular old fans and then luring in and showing new fans that have an interest. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it handles it so expertly, which is such a surprise. But the story is just so, uh, so well crafted from from the beginning through that Order 66 moment. Um, all the stuff with Marin, who is my favorite character in that story. Yeah. Um, and I, I, my hope is that she's the, the lead of the sequel. That, yes. <laughs> uh, that uh, in order for us to go back to having no force powers, that we are starting as Marin and, and Cal is is training her. So you start with like a couple of things, like very basic versions of push and pull, um, I, but that you have to build those powers up again. And what um, a fantastic concept that would be, too, yeah. because we, we know the Night Sisters use the force in a very different way than yeah. what we're used to and it's more dark natured so to have someone from that background try and learn to use a more jedi light-sided approach would yeah. be very interesting yeah um yeah and and yeah the push and pull of the light side and the dark side with that character would be a wonderful thing to play with in the story. I, I, I'm surprised that we haven't heard anything about the sequel yet. Um, it's a bit of a foregone conclusion because the, the first one did so well, mm-hmm. um, I, both critically as well as sales wise. So yeah. like, I anticipate that we'll hear something sooner rather than later. Cause, uh, celebration would have been the place to, to do it. But, um, yeah. uh, with the next gen of consoles, I, I find it hard to believe that that's not what respawn is working on next um, mm-hmm. that they're gonna that they're gonna get get to work real quick on yeah. a next gen version but I, you know what we'll probably hear first we will probably hear about a ps5 uh, series X re-release of fallen order like a like an upscaled I, I sort of like a remastered edition because um, yeah. that'll be really easy for them to just sort of like like pump that up um, because there are that is the one drawback to the game is that there are a lot of graphical hitches there are a lot of loading problems um, it, yeah it, mine always loses sound <laughs> there's a lot of Randomly. technical issues with the game but yeah. that just kind of speaks to how great of a game it is that despite those technical problems despite texture pop in and I, I weird I, I animations and stuff like that sometimes happening um, uh, and clipping issues and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I, you keep playing it cause it's so good. And, and the experience that you have when you walk away from it, it that stuff melts away. Um, yeah. and that's the, yep. that's really the hallmark of great gameplay and great storytelling. So yep. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, like, it's so it's so difficult without sort of having something specific thematically to talk about to really get into it. And uh, we talked a lot about the Daisy Ridley stuff, so I think we're okay. I think we're we're in safe territory. We've given everybody uh, a lot of episode. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of at a loss right now. I think because I'm in the middle of another playthrough, so I'm kind of just thinking of the first two-thirds of the game um because that's kind of where i'm at but i i yeah there's there's specific characters that we could get into and 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 maybe at a not maybe at a later date let's get into (laughs) some specifics like we can talk about marin and and uh uh, malikos and uh yeah i sort of the the specifically the Dathomir Knight sister aspect of it, because that part is really, really interesting. But I'll just echo that Order 66. Playing through Order 66 is the most meaningful version of Order 66 I think that I've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, The next after that would be Ahsoka and Rex. But uh, it, it hits me the way I think that Revenge of the Sith is supposed to. Um, which I've always like. I the, I I think that Order sixty six is done well in in Revenge of the Sith, but it's a little bit like, hey, here's the greatest hits of all of these characters dying, um, right. kind of bounce around in a in a in a movie that's already complicated and has a lot of locations, but I I really staying focused on Cal and as a Padawan, and even though his story borrows a lot from Kanan's. I, I, it's still worthwhile. I think for the very fact that you get to experience it, that you get to live it. Um, and, I uh, and it just, it, it makes me want more of the stories of those characters, both, uh, going forward and, and, and in the past. Um, yeah. and I'm really hoping that, that when we do hear about another one that we get, you know, prequel comics and all that sort of thing to go along. Oh, with. Sure. I, Jaro Topal is a character that I am fascinated by because he is, uh, he's a Lasat like Zeb. Yeah, when it um, came on, I was like, hey, that's, that's yeah. Zeb's, yeah. And yet he's a Jedi and he's got that double-bladed lightsaber and yeah. uh, he's a very nice. powerful Jedi, but he's one that we haven't ever heard about. So why haven't we really heard about him, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, there's 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 a lot to explore there that I think is really cool, um, and I would love to see some stories where those characters interact with, to go against what I said about what makes the game great and the story great. I would now now that we have that, I would love to see some uh, supplemental stories where we see those characters interact with Anakin and Obi Wan, or have Ahsoka yes. come in and and uh, see Ahsoka and Cal. I mean, like. It's kind of hard to imagine a sequel to Fallen Order without Ahsoka in it, um, mm. because Ahsoka is kind of getting shoehorned into everything these days. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it would be really cool to go back and see the two of them before Order 66 having met and interacted. So I think there's opportunities there for stories like that that could be cool. Uh, I just and- want to know. I just want to know what the Emperor did with all of his. Project Augur stuff. Yeah, and... with all the Zepho artifacts that he was collecting. Yeah. That's a good yeah. question. I need, it's a I good need question. to know that. <laughs> I mean, it's very similar to uh, to to um, the the Lothal aspects of it. The the, yeah. the stuff from Star Wars Rebels, where it's like clearly Palpatine knew that that temple was there, and he had an idea of what it contained. Um, 
And so when, whenever we learn this stuff, we discover all these new ways that Palpatine was messing with the galaxy and trying to uh, attain immortality and control absolute power. So, yeah, I mean, so I could I could talk about Fallen Order uh, ad nauseum, but uh, uh, in the in the uh, nature of of uh, keeping it brief and respecting everyone's time, we'll <laughs> cut it off there. Um, Thank you, uh, Daniel, again, for being on the episode, uh, for yeah, returning. Thank you. I, I love talking Star Wars with you, so it's always a good time. Uh, and we'll, we're, we're going to do this again. Uh, we're, we'll continue this conversation about, yes. uh, about Fallen Order. Especially, like, look, let's, let's say that as soon as they announce uh, uh, the sequel, that we'll come back and we'll talk some more about this game. This Absolutely. Story. Um, Awesome. Cool. I, it, where can people find your, uh, contributions on the internet? You want, you want to plug your, uh, your, your <laughs> fanfic again? Sure. Sure. Um, I'm on Twitter at 87 zoo lemons, uh, mostly Raylo, but occasionally I put random quirky things on there too about my life. Um, and then you can find my Raylo fan fiction on uh, archive of our own. Uh, author name is Danny Marie, D-A-N-I-E-M-A-R-I-E. Uh, and I've got five works on there, ranging from uh, in-universe to alternate universe, modern-day type stuff. So if that's your jam, please, please, please check it out, read it. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. Awesome. Uh, cool. Well, you guys know you can follow me uh, at ArcWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but you can also follow my art account uh, on Instagram, uh, which is Archangel Wolf, uh, A-R-K-A-N-G-E-L-W-U-L-F, which is, that's the longer version of Arc Wolf, if, in case people didn't notice. Um, and I, I, I've been posting a lot of Star Wars art over there. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's it. That's it for this episode. Again, thank you, Daniel, for, for coming by and talking yeah, Star no Wars. Thank you. And, uh, and thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Star Wars FMI. If you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support. Your pledge gets you early access, exclusive podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.
Faster, More Intense is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com for more great podcasts.